0: It is the most beautiful Wednesday, and I am glad that we are starting it in the Word. My name is Tim Harris, it's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim, let's get to it. We are in Mark, chapter two, verses one to 17. We go verse by verse through the Word of God. We just started the Gospel of Mark this week, and we are today starting chapter two. Uh, Two familiar stories, probably, if you've read the Gospels before. Chapter two begins with that great story of the paralyzed man, and his friends, uh, I think I mentioned yesterday. One of the sort of sub themes you see in the gospel, and especially the gospel of Mark, is this um, this problem of the crowd. On the one hand, you would think, "My goodness, this is great! Everybody's coming out to see Jesus. There's a crowd there everywhere he goes. There's a crowd." But there's a problem with that because the crowd is often not necessarily the ones who are listening or want to hear or want to receive what Jesus is is trying to give, Uh, often the crowd is the religious folks, the Pharisees. They're they're just there to find fault. They're just there to um, investigate. Uh, They're not there out of kindness, goodness, or a a seeking heart at, at all. And, and that is the problem. They're there to be entertained by his magic tricks, by his healing powers. They're there to be scandalized by his teaching, but they're not there to, you know, find the shepherd of their souls. And, and so, see, that's the problem. The problem is, and I'm saying this as a church leader, often church people, we are that crowd. You know, we are that crowd. There are people in our community who desperately want Jesus and want to find out about Jesus, but they have a hard time getting to Him because they're gonna have to come through us. You know, and I don't just mean our physical bodies, the physical crowd. Although that's part of it, that, that, that's part of it. I'm sure these people all got there early and and got to good seats. You know, but here's a man who desperately needs Jesus who can't even get in the door, and they don't care. You know, they don't care. And often I'm afraid that's how we become as, as as church folks. It becomes about us. You know, we show up with our issues and we show up with our desires and our opinions and our preferences. And we no longer think about the person who shows up desperately wanting to hear a word from the Lord or desperately just looking to find somebody who cares, about their trouble, you know? I mean, mean, honestly, we become so self-absorbed and so, um, gosh, very entitled to the good seats and to our um, religious experiences that we become actually the very crowd in the way of lost people finding Jesus. And so on this particular day, Jesus is back at Capernaum. Obviously, Peter and Andrew's house is kind of a hub for him, Uh, Can you just imagine Jesus taking over your house like this? But anyway, Jesus has taken over their house and is full of people, so full of people that... This paralyzed man uh, and his friends can't get to Jesus, so they blow a hole in the roof. Uh, I love this story. It was a Sunday school story when I was a kid. But reading it as an adult, I'm, I'm kind of amazed by a couple of things. First off, just thinking about a paralyzed man in that culture, you're, you're helpless. I mean, a paralyzed person is always helpless, um, but especially so in that day. Uh, so this man has two things by my reckoning. He has a mat and he has friends the mat itself is no wonder uh, john ortberg says we all have a mat by that he means we all have some brokenness some symbol of our imperfection our, our mat represents our need to be carried by others and, and for the most part we all like to live as if we don't have a mat and 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 i confess this is my sin you know uh, it's not a worse sin but <laughs> it's one of my one of my flaws Um, I like to live as if I don't need other people. I don't even know that I do it on purpose so much. It's just, it's the way I'm wired. I don't like to need anything. I don't want to borrow anything. I want to be self, you know, reliant. I want to have all the stuff I need, you know, for myself and with myself. And I don't like to ask for help. And I don't like for people to see my flaws, you, you know? And so, And I don't think, I only say that because I feel like a lot of you are going to relate to that. You're living just like me. Um, And the problem with that is, you know, if if the mat, you know, represents, you know, my need to be carried by others, if the mat represents my imperfection, then understand my hiding my mat or or my refusing to be seen as a broken, needy person, that refusal, you know, uh, it robs me of the very trust and vulnerability that actually fosters community in other words it just guarantees i'm gonna be isolated it guarantees that we're isolated and for the most part we are among the most isolated people that have ever lived on the face of the earth we don't need anybody we don't want anybody you know so we live inside our houses with our gigantic tvs and all the food that we could possibly need and we don't leave the house you know and we don't need anybody um so here's this paralyzed man in the ancient world he's got a mat that's not a wonder you know I mean he's paralyzed of course he's got a mat to lay on but he's got friends you know he's got friends my question is how does a paralyzed man make friends I mean where do he get friends not just you know friends I mean uh, he's aren't just people that owe him a favor. These are people that have crash the roof for you, you know? So where does a man like that, I mean, where does he get friends? Like, he can't do anything for them. Did I mention he's paralyzed? I mean, he can't do anything for them. I don't know this, either this guy has got the best sense of humor, or he is so much fun, or such an interesting conversation. I mean, there is something about this guy who can't even get off the floor by him. He can't even get to the toilet by himself. But this dude has at least four friends that would that would crash a roof for him so you know I, I you know don't feel sorry for him I mean I I feel more sorry for some of us who couldn't find four friends you know if we were handing out $20 bills I mean let's be honest 90% of American men say they don't have a friend in the world you know and most of us live lives of just utter isolation You know, this guy's got four friends and, and that's the, the, the part that just, you know, doesn't escape me today, man. He's got, he's got these friends who crash a roof for him. He's also got sin, which is kind of, we all got sin too, but part of me is just like, what's a, what's a paralyzed man do to sin? I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. But Jesus knows all of this. That they crash through the roof. Jesus says, "Your sins are forgiven." The Pharisees, you know, lose their minds. You know, the religious people. Who does he think he is? And they don't even say it out loud. They're just thinking it. But Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so he says, "What do you, you think? It's you think. What do you think's harder to forgive sins or, or you know, heal a lame man? Why well, not just do both? You know, and um, and he heals the man. The man gets up and, and walks. And once more." The crowd is like, man, we never seen anything like this. Uh, again, the fact that they're amazed and impressed, and we go, oh, golly, we never seen anything like this, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're getting one inch closer to believing in Jesus, and, and, and that's part of the problem. Uh, the next story Jesus calls Levi or the, uh, Matthew the tax collector. Interestingly, one of the things we know from, from uh, Palestinian history, um, they taxed fish in Capernaum. It's just, well, in small details, <laughs> fishing was the primary means of economy, and the Romans aren't going to miss any, and they're not going to miss a single penny. And so, uh, yeah, they taxed fish in Capernaum, which means Matthew is a local tax collector. It's not like they got a whole office of IRS agents. It's probably Matthew by himself, which means by this point, you know, Peter, Andrew, James, John, they all know him and they probably have their minds made up about him. And isn't it funny how Jesus just puts them together? You know, like he just puts them together. These four guys and this one guy are now probably all in the same room and they're all in the same room with somebody they thought, man, I would never be caught dead in a room with him, you know, or if I am in a room with him sometime, I'm going to kick his, you know, rear end so hard. I mean, you know, they probably have every reason in the world not to like each other. And isn't that just like Jesus, you know? I mean, fellowship, you know, bring brought into Christ, it just has a way of putting you on the same pew as somebody that any other circumstance you wouldn't be caught dead with. Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, I mean, you know, across the races, I'm just telling you that that's how the gospel works. It brings all kinds together. But that's exactly what flies right up the nose of the Pharisees. Uh, Levi, Matthew throws a feast in his house and all these guys, you know, hoodlum, you know, we're kind of redneck friends because that's what he's always been. He's been a sinner. So he invites his friends and they're all sinners. And the Pharisees, you know, why why is Jesus eating with such scum? And not the most offensive word ever. Uh, I'm out of time. Let me just say... When you look at people, you got to love them as people if if you look at somebody and your first thought is not love you know um, then uh, understand that there's something profoundly deeply wrong with your heart you know you got to look at people see them as people and 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 your first thought has to be love what's Jesus doing eating with such scum? We're going to read through the Gospel of Mark. I know you've read the Gospels. I, in many ways, Jesus just kind of eats his way through the Gospels. He is always at table, you know, always at the table with people, and always eating with the wrong people. And in many ways, you could say Jesus is eventually killed because of the way he eats. Seriously, because of the way he eats, and not so much how he eats, but who he eats with. You know, Jesus is a friend of sinners and uh and that is terribly offensive to those who don't think they sin yeah uh, so uh, back to that crowd there at the house and i'll be done um like i say they're the religious folks man they don't think they sin i mean they, they don't think their breath stinks you know i mean they mean they are so full of themselves and they got there early and they got all the best seats but one thing that stands out they don't have any friends they're bringing to jesus you know They don't have any friends or bringing a Jesus. They are just there taking up space and they are in the way of others finding their way to Christ. Lord, don't let us be those people. Lord, please help us not be those people. Um, Does that sound prideful? I don't don't mean that. I just, if somebody's trying to get to Jesus, I want to be the friend that helps them and not the one that stands in the way. You know, that's what I mean. God help us. Tomorrow, pick up in the same place. Chapter 2, verse 18. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 28 for tomorrow, all right? I love you guys so much. It's a beautiful day. At least get out at some point today and enjoy some sunshine. Vitamin D is good for the body, and sunshine is good for the soul. I love you guys so much. I really, really do. I don't say it enough. Thank you for being my friends, my partners in the Word. I will see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock, Lord willing, for Tim with Tim. Have a great Wednesday.